Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Always a pleasure to have Wendy with us. Uh, welcome to the show today, Wendy. Thanks, Pippa. And thanks again for your help with the uh, live studio audience yesterday. Some pretty scary uh, stories. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Now, today we're looking at the issue of cashless payment systems, which are increasingly being used for big events. Uh, we'll talk about what they offer, what some of the drawbacks might be, and speak to uh, uh, one that's drawn a bit of attention in connection with next week's Rock on the Lawns event. After 1.30, it's open line time. You can call us with any consumer query on 21 0567 or leave a voice note on 0725671567. Over to you, Wendy. Okay, so those who regularly attend concerts, festivals, and markets will be very familiar with Howler, the cashless payment system which is touted as a win for everyone. So for event organizers, the appeal is that you can eliminate cash management on site. For those attending, the promise is that cashless payments allow for an easier, faster, and safer customer experience. So what we're going to be looking at today is, is, is that is really that the case? case? Yeah. <laughs> because many customers are complaining um, on Halapita, on um Facebook sites of the events about battling to cash out the balance on their cards. Some say they were overcharged by, by barman at the event and that it's difficult to keep track of, of that. And then there's the rule that any unspent money on the cards must be cashed, cashed in within two weeks. I think it's, it's just recently been pushed out to 30 days. Okay. But the Consumer Prote- Protection Act says that any money you invest in a prepaid mechanism, be it a voucher, a card or anything else must be available to you to be spent um, for at least three years. So okay, um, there so are some issues there. in the system, yeah. Okay. Now, when I mentioned that we were going to be talking about this today, we almost immediately heard from a listener on the WhatsApp line, Wendy, who shared his personal experience with the system, and, and I thought it gave us a very balanced summary of the pros and cons. So let's take a listen to that voice note. Hey, Wendy. So I heard you talking about the Howler service, and um, I just wanted to give you my two cents on this. I am really interested in these new payment methods, and I'm an early adopter with this type of stuff. So really excited when I heard about this service, and I used it uh, for the first time a few weeks ago at, at one of the markets. And for the most part, it really is simple and convenient. If you want to get a donut or a bagel at a festival, it's a simple, you have money on your card, you tap it immediately, um, the device shows you how much money you have left and you've paid for your, for your meal or whatever you're paying for. But there's a caveat. So firstly, to get the money onto the card, you have to stand in these ridiculously long queues, put more money than you need to on it because you know how expensive things are at markets and festivals. And then when you're done and you still have money left on the card, you can't generally can't get the money back at the event. Either there's a queue or you want to leave, and they tell you, no, it's fine, log on online to get it. But if you don't do that within two weeks, the money actually expires and disappears, and your card doesn't show as valid anymore. And, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's not, it hasn't been a lot of money that I've lost. It, you know, with all the three different cards from the three, three different events, it's probably 35 Rand. But I'm sure that over time they could collect quite a bit of money like this. Okay, thank you so much. And nice to hear from somebody who's clearly a, a young person engaged with the technology, Wendy, because I know there is likely to be perhaps more resistance from, from an older, older. audience. Yeah. And the other thing Marcus also said that's interesting, and the reason he's got three cards is you can't use what's left on your card from one event at another event that uses uses the same system, which is a 
you would imagine that you should it's not very user yes. friendly. That's why he's got three cards, all of them with little bits of money on them. Okay, he's not alone in having some uh, concerns about this. No, so for example, um, Michael T posted this on Hello Peter, one of many complaints on Hello Peter after he attended an event using Howler in late January. January, he said, "You never really." You never truly know how much you're being charged, and I believe that we weren't the only patrons at that event who were scammed when buying drinks. The card system has its perks, but can be abused even more easily than the bar staff stealing cash. The system should SMS the user after each purchase how much they paid and how much the tip was. Um, and which vendor and ID put through the sale. This way, patrons will know if they are being scammed. And that was a, um, a comment that came through a lot, that why, you know, with people finding it difficult to keep track of what they're spending and what was put through for it. You can see your balance maybe, but you can't see what, what you went through on that transaction. Easily. Yes. So, so that why isn't there an SMS notification um, came through quite a bit. Okay. Now, another one of our listeners flagged similar concerns with us. Fonz Robert emailed us last week about uh, the Rock on the Lawns concert, which is coming up next week. Yeah, uh, the I'm, public holiday. I can't wait because the Cure is the headline act. I've yeah. my whole life to see them. So I will have my first Howler experience next week. But what Fonz was worried about is, uh, and let me just quote his email. He wrote to say, a real bombshell dropped on the Cure concert ticket holders. A last minute announcement that the whole venue is going to be 100% cashless for food, drink and merchandise. On Hello Peter, there are lots of complaints about past events at which Howler was running the cashless system and people were not happy. Most seemed to not get refunded funds of their excess money on their cards which was as per that voice note and some complained of being overcharged for drinks and bartenders just tipping themselves etc. So those they're again repeating the complaints we'd already heard. Interestingly he feels chiefly aggrieved Wendy because he only found out about this after he'd bought his tickets. Um, is he right though that it wasn't public knowledge that Harlow's system was going to be used at the concert? Well the CEO of Harlow says that it's not true it wasn't last minute it was advertised from the start so we, we can clear that up when we, when we speak, speak to, him. to him. Okay, so we are going to bring him in in just a second, but I know you reached out to comment and initially had some email correspondence with him, Wendy. Yes. So um, for those who don't know, some background on, on what Hala is. It's the event technology platform which has done Ultra, Plet Rage, Rock on the Lawns in 2017, Jazz Fest, apparently 300 events um, all told. In his initial email to me, CEO Shai Evian said that the number of complaints about the system being used for the Cure concert, that Rock on the Lawns, amounted to just a quarter of percent of the tickets sold for the event, for the concert. He says, in fact, there were just 29 unique customers voicing concerns. He said the information about the Howler system being used, what I said, was not published after sales. It was always listed on CompuTicket's website from the day ticket sales launched. Um, for me, <laughs> the part of his email which which leapt out was the, his very last line: "Cashless is the future. There is no going back. So we must just get with the program and 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 deal with it." But you know, as <laughs> as consumer talk, we we it's our duty to um, to wrestle with these issues. And from a consumer perspective, and yeah. and 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 how consumer friendly are they, and do they comply with legislation? So let's bring in Shai Evian, who is the CEO of Harlow. And Shai, thanks so much for being um, making time available to speak to us today. Welcome. Thank you very much and thanks for having me on your show. Let's start with that cash out process. Uh, Shai, I believe that it can take up to five days to get your, your excess cash on the card returned, which might feel quite long in today's world in which people are increasingly used to, to instantaneous transactions. What do you say to customers who feel that is too long? 
So I think the the real question is for customers to understand why we are at events to begin with, and then look at the solutions we're putting in place um, and what we have to do to make that experience better. So if we talk about the, the cash-out procedure, it's incorrect when we say five days. We process online refunds within 72 hours after the event. Majority of events take place on the weekends. Uh, we work within the banking uh, framework. Um, credit card transactions take you know a day to do to process into our bank account, and we can only really process that refund you know two to three days after the event. It really is not in our interest to hold customers' money. We want to get um, you know the, the money back as quickly as possible, and we're actually the only company in South Africa that has reduced the time to do a refund after the event to just kind of two, three days after the event. Okay. Um, what about the uh, the question around that there's not enough visibility in, in the, how the, pro, the, the transactions are processed in terms of the possibility that you go to the bar, order a beer, and think you're paying your 30 rand for that beer, but actually the barman's putting it through at 38 rand sure. and pocketing the difference. Um, is it something that's been raised and brought to your attention? Yeah, of course. Look, I think... You know, I'm an avid event goer and, you know, we are trying to create the best possible experience for events and, you know, transparency is key. I think if you look at what was happening before Halo was in place, there weren't toll systems, there weren't point of sale systems and you actually had no idea what you were being charged. You know, what we've now implemented is a completely digitalized solution. Uh, After every transaction, the bartenders and the vendors are trained to show the, um, the balance of the card, uh, which is something that nobody else does, as well as if you do have any um, dispute, every single person with a device at the event, whether it's a bartender, vendor, or a customer support, can pull up a transaction history showing the last detailed transactions of what you've purchased, um, as well as if you feel like you've been taken advantage of after the event, uh, we have a support desk that can deal with transaction history, so you can actually request a transaction history to see if you've been overcharged. And if there has been a case of negligence, we take it up with the bartender or the vendor in question. And I think uh, so we're in a bit of a, a difficult uh, situation where we provide the technology to these events. It's the same way that you know, if you have a bad experience, you know, using Uber, you you blame Uber first, but we're providing the technology, and I believe that we've got the systems in place to deal with if there are problems. But I still maintain that, you know, we're providing transparency to a level that has never been in the industry before. Okay, let me jump in there, Amshai, about that, um, given that it came up quite often, people feeling that they were being overcharged. Be- being able to see the balance on your card is not necessarily going to tell you an issue. Maths was um, how much you paid for your last transaction. A few people have said, why not just incorporate in that system an SMS notification um, that would mm-hmm. come after each purchase? And there's a te- te- technological reason for the for why you don't do that, if you could just share with us. Yeah, so... Um, you know, one of the biggest challenges of specifically large-scale events is network issues, um, which is, you know, one of the major number one factors why Howler exists and why we're at events. You've got 20,000 people at an event. 99% of the time, the network goes down, sometimes for a couple of hours. It could be for 20, 30 minutes. And what would happen in that case, credit card transactions will not go through, mobile phone payments will not go through, where our system runs 100% offline and we can still process seamless transactions. Bringing that to the 
um, notification, if there's no network, you're not going to get that SMS notification, and it just increases the cost of the service where we're actually trying to reduce the cost of the service okay. to the end user. So I think by having the transaction history on the device, customer support at the event, as well as being able to view your transaction history post-event, we believe we're catering for um, you know the, the requirement. Um, Shai, let's just uh, go back to um, the issue of, of checking your balance and knowing what you're being charged. So are you suggesting that the best way around that is for users to then check their balance and go through that process on every single transaction? Does that not then become as cumbersome as a cash transaction? So I don't believe that there's people are being overcharged on every transaction. I think that what we're suggesting is for people the same way that you would swipe your credit card or you would pay cash, you know, at, uh, for a transaction, you should be mindful of the change you're getting back or what you're being charged. Um, and by showing the balance after every transaction on the device, it is very visible for you. And, and I think in the case where you feel that you've been um, overcharged, then there's a very quick and easy way for us to resolve it at the event. We certainly don't want people to be worrying about, you know, their balances and if they're being overcharged because the whole purpose of the system is to, you know, create seamless experiences for people to not worry about the transaction and actually spend more time enjoying the event. Okay, Shai, is there a possibility to do both, to have both the HALA system and a cash uh, possibility? Because I think what, what some people are feeling resistance towards is being forced into going cashless when it's not something that they find naturally uh, comfortable. Yeah, I think everyone is difficult to work new things and change. And I can understand, you know, when things are forced upon people and they've never actually used it and had a, you know, they, they don't really understand why we're doing it. I think for large-scale event organizers and anybody going to an event, nobody wants to stand in queues. And the payment is one of the biggest pain points that one endures when going to a large-scale festival or an event. Now... The solution that we put in place mitigates as much risk as possible for the payments to go down and for you to have the most seamless experience. We've played with the idea of a hybrid solution, but all that does is it causes longer queue times and increased transaction times on the one side where we're actually just trying to create the most seamless experience. And we've seen, we've done a test where we've had a Howler transaction, a mobile phone payment, a credit card, and a cash. And a Howler transaction takes literally one to two seconds. All these other transactions take 30 seconds to a minute. When when you're trying to deal with 10,000 people who want to get drinks as quickly as possible, it simply is not the best solution. We understand for smaller events, um, it might be something that is, uh, is viable. And we are looking at ways to make the system more viable and better, you know, for the much smaller events. But when you're dealing with 20,000 people, it's just an issue. I think the other major thing that people need to understand is that um, the uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Is that there's a major there's a major issue with cash at big events. I, I, I can't go into the details, but there's been a number of instances in the past where food vendors have been hit, leaving events with a large amount of cash, event organisers. There's there's a major security element. And by having cash at these events, you know, it just increases that risk and we're trying to reduce the, you know, increase the safety of customers at the same time. 
Shai, interesting point from somebody on the WhatsApp line. Would it not be possible to, rather than making people load money up front, have some kind of pre-authorization system and just take what you charge in arrears uh, from from that amount? So, you know, things we are looking at, if you look at what we do, essentially, it does work like that. You're putting money in. So let's say you're spending 500 rand. We have an auto cash out functionality. Whatever you don't spend gets automatically cashed out back to you. So, you know, we have looked at a solution, as you've just mentioned. There's a lot of trust involved around that because we're now post-billing after the event. Um, but these are solutions that we are uh, looking to in the future to really just make it uh, a more seamless experience. Shai, if I could just get some clarification on that. When you said um, whatever's not spent is automatically credited back, you're talking about if people... Um, load the the money before an event online rather than standing in the queue at, at the, the event. event. So I think there's, you know, our whole solution is to reduce queues. Um, and I certainly take responsibility for the fact that people may have had some bad experiences at events where uh, they may have waited in queues to top up. We are improving our systems, you know, every event that we do. As I mentioned, we've done over 300 events in the past two years. Um, and the, the, we encourage people to, to load what they can spend. So whatever is unspent, they can cash out. And we've seen the improvement that the system has had on the improvement of the, the transaction time. I don't know if I answered your question there because I've veered off a little bit. Now, I but. wanted to know if there's a difference between the way you get your money back that you haven't spent, whether you buy online, because you, you're saying that cashback is uh, automatic yeah. versus it certainly hasn't been the experience of people who've stood in line at the event. Um, they haven't yes, been so. able to get the cashback automatically and then been made to wait the, 14, uh, the, the three days or whatever. Yeah, so we if you yeah if you cash if you top up online you get automatically cashed okay. out so if that's an advantage the, yeah if you top up at the event with cash or card you do have to wait the two to three days after event and it is a manual process to go online and to um, do your cash out uh, you know the part of Howler is also a ticketing platform um, and where we're doing events where Howler does the ticketing and the cash list we have all the customers' details that are going to the event and, you know, we're seeing 70-80% of people are preloading online before going to the event. The challenge that that we have sometimes is when CompuTicket or another company is doing the ticketing and we're doing the cash list, so there's a bit of a a disconnect there. But, you know, we really are doing everything in our power to, you know, reduce the time for for cash outs. Um, And as well as, you know, in a perfect world, we'd love customers to be able to reuse their card from event to event. Mm. Um, we're busy trialing this at Newlands Cricket Stadium, where the card that you purchased at the event can be used throughout the whole season. That would that be great. Well, oh, that's happening today. Um, we, ha- we have a fantastic response rate. And I'm sure within the next six months to 12 months, we will you know, have cards that can be used from event to event, rolling balances. It's just it's, There's a lot of... Um, red tape that we need to get you know, over before we can provide that service. Okay. So, yeah. Shai, somebody, and this is a very valid question, thank you, Peter on the SMS line, says, I'm going to the Cure. I've never used this system before. Could you perhaps just briefly talk us through how it works from start to finish? So, uh, thanks, Peter, because I'm in the same boat as you um, with regard to the concert next week. What should we be doing? It sounds like it's much more efficient to do the process online. How do we actually do that, Shai? So you go online to Howler Lucilla ZA to search for Rock the Lawns. 
Um, you'll be able to pre-purchase a cashless voucher. Um, you can determine how much you wish to spend at the event, whether it's 100 to 1,000 rand, that's your choice. Um, you can pay online with a credit card, EFT, or in-store in a whole lot of retailers that we partnered with. Once you'll get a voucher from us uh, with a QR code. In this specific instance, because we're not doing the ticketing, it's a specific journey where you arrive at the event, you'll go through the doors. If you pre-topped up online, you'll head to the top-up station. There'll be an express shoot where you simply go through, you show the QR code, our friendly staff will scan the code, pair it with a wristband. We're also giving everyone wristbands as opposed to cards, so you can't lose your card. And the money is instantly transferred onto that wristband. You simply then use your wristband to transact throughout the event at all the food stations or the bar stations and the merchandise. Just a simple um, tap. You just It's a simple tap. It takes literally one second. Right. Um, you know, you, there's no change. No, you don't have to worry about the networks. And at the end of the event, um, within two days, we, we, we cash you out. If, if, if you topped up online, you don't have to worry about it. It will be an automatic cash out. It's only if you arrive at the event and you haven't topped up online that you will have to go onto the website to do the cash out. Okay, final question, Shai, well, for me, and I think Wendy's got one more as well. Is there a fee to, to cash out at the end? So if there was leftover money, is anything deducted uh, from what is refunded to you? Yeah, unfortunately, all great things come at a cost. Um, there is a fee that uh, there's a five-rand cash out fee in this instance. Uh, that fee is used to cover the banking fee and third-party payment gateways. Um, and we really believe that it's a tiny fee to pay you know, for convenience. Um, and I think the other thing to highlight is we've seen a lot of people share wristbands or cards. So when you break it down, you know, sometimes five rand between one to two, three people, there's one or two rand, which is actually less than what your bank is charging you to deposit and take money out. Okay, uh, just one very important question from me. It's very important to me given the CPA, and we discussed this offline, Shai, that um, you any prepaid mechanism um, money that you preload has to be available to you to um, to use for up to three years. So I was concerned about the fact that there was a two week limit to refund and then extended to to thirty days. Um, you did tell me offline that um, you have never for those that have gone beyond that period you have never denied anyone. Um, their refunds, but I'm looking for something concrete for you around that policy that, that speaks to it being aligned to the CPA. Yeah, so I think there's a myth that people think that after two weeks they can't get their money back from us. You know, we processed over a million transactions cash out in the last two years. You know, so the we have a 14-day window period to do it online. We then have to close the event up and wrap everything up with the event organizers and the vendors. So it's just the process changes after 14 okay. days, which is now increased to 30, and you can get a, um, a late refund online through our platform. Uh, it's just a different process to the within the 14-day window period. Okay. And I encourage anybody that does have any cards at home, please to reach out to us and we will gladly assisting people getting any outstanding balances on their cards. I lied. I've got one last question for you, Shai, because a few people are asking the same thing. For those who, like Fonz, who emailed us, feel really aggrieved that they didn't know the Harlow system was going to be used and that they don't feel they want to use it and they've already bought their tickets for Rock on the Lawns next week, is there any recourse for them? So 
I think it's important to know that it wasn't a last-minute bombshell. This was stipulated on Computica's website that it will be a cashless event. Anybody that went to Rock on the Lawns two years ago, it was a cashless event then. Um, and we understand that you know people may not want to use it, but we really believe it's a very small percentage of the total attendees that that are aggrieved. And just to trust us and come and try the service. And if they, if anybody really feels that they had a terrible experience because of Howler, we will gladly refund what they spent at the event because you know we believe that we are creating a better experience for all. Okay, okay, so I saw something on an FAQ that Howler put out um, responding to those who were complaining, saying. Um, with regard to next Thursday's Rock on the Lawns concert, those who no longer want them because of the cashless system, we will buy your tickets from you and give them free to people who want to go but can't. Contact support at howler.coza. Does that offer still stand? You know, I, I believe if someone doesn't want to go to the event because they're afraid of using our system, I'd really challenge that. You know, I think it's and we don't want people to feel like because of how they, you know, if they don't want to go to the event because of us, yes, we will gladly, you know, take those tickets and give them to people who really want to go. I think we're just asking people to, to be open-minded about the platform and really understand Try it first. why yeah, why we are there in the first place. You know, there's a, all these comments and, you know, about, you know, it's a money-making racket. And actually, this costs the event organizer more money to have us there. It's, it's, and it really is in the interest of the end consumer um, to create a better experience. And I really just, you know, um, I hope that people can can be open-minded about it. And and again, if someone has a terrible experience, if they've been overcharged by a bartender or a vendor, please reach out to us because we are trying to, you know, resolve these issues to ultimately give you a better experience. Shai Evian, CEO of Hala, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And uh, uh, somebody asking Jamie on the WhatsApp saying, Pippa, please give some feedback from your experience using the service <laughs> after the Cure concert. Jamie, I'll gladly do that. It'll be my first time engaging with Hala uh, as a complete novice. So um, thank you for talking us through the process. Shai, I've been taking notes and certainly I'll give you some the, feedback. put it on the blog. Well, so certainly, yeah, uh, we'll put that up with the podcast as well for those who are going and might not be particularly all fair with the system. Uh, happy, I think we've got a voice note that's come in. Let's just take a listen to that before we go to ads and then we'll go to open line. Ladies, um, on the discussion on Hala, I recently um, experienced Hala at Up the Creek Festival, um, both as a, from a customer point of view and um, working the stand, so from the vendor point of view. Um, and as a point of sale, it was extremely easy and um, it was actually really good to, to use. Uh, but the stand owner did say they were um, getting charged an exorbitant amount, so it was extremely expensive. Um, at the festival, they just had wristbands with a little uh, like plastic card on it, um, and that served as uh, as the the, the the carrier of your funds essentially. Um, there was a ten rand activation fee, and for the first time, you put money on, which you know I thought was a bit naughty, considering. You couldn't really use any other um, system, um, and then I didn't. I only put a hundred rand on, and so only only spent ninety rand, and uh, uh, didn't try and get uh, a balance of my on my money back. I just I just spent it all up. Um, but I don't think there was any issues getting money back uh, at the end. Um, 
as far as I could tell. Um, but there was really a, a long queue for the Biltong stand on the, on the last day, so clearly that's where people were spending their remaining balance. Thanks, <laughs> Thank you so much. It would be the Biltong stand, yeah. of course it would. Um, just quickly, somebody, John, on the SMS line asking, is it legal to refuse cash? I thought not. We did remember we we I went to the payment association who kicked the question up to the Reserve Bank and the short answer is yes it is for various reasons security being one of them uh, that um, a vendor may or an entire um, event may say um, we aren't accepting cash and you'll note I think it's one of the airlines might be Kalula, Kalula I think has stopped, has, taking, has cash, stopped yes. taking cash and that was a sort of uh, an organisational issue just taking too long so I think we um, need to accept the fact that. This movement towards a cashless, cashless payment systems in various scenarios is going to become more the norm than it has been up till now. Okay, thanks for, for the reminder on that. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back with the open line section of the show. Get dialing on 021 446 uh, If you've got a question, if you want to say more about Hala and give us anything that you feel hasn't been covered in the questions that have been asked so far, please keep those voice notes coming as well to 0725671567. Consumer Talk, open line. Right, okay, there are lots and lots of messages coming in uh, from people saying, I am really upset that I didn't know about this before I bought my tickets, and I'm probably not going to go now because I'm not interested in howler, and it seems like extra stress. That's shooting yourself not in the foot but in the ear, because if, like me, you've waited a lifetime to see mm. these bands perform, go to the concert and try the system. I say um, at least try it. Knock at least it, try it, yeah. Give it, give it a shot, and if it's really not working, I would definitely say what I've learned from investigating this um, show and, and from from hearing Shy there, I would definitely go through the steps of, of learning online yeah. um, for, for many reasons. You're not going to stand in the long queue at the event and you're going to get an automatic refund of every, of what you don't spend. Um, so for a first timer, I think that's the way to go. That's the way I'm going to try it. So mm. I'll let you know after the event how it goes. Um, and, uh, yeah, one more SMS saying really isn't the reason not mainly for the organizers to be able to better monitor and receive their revenue and profit share, not to do with customer convenience. I did pose that question yes. in the beginning. That's what I went into it with sort of saying, yes, it's great and it's quick and fast and whatever, but good for who really? Um, but yeah, I haven't tried the system myself, so I'm going to reserve my comment until I have done so. Yeah. I, and I'm very interested in, in how you experience it, Pippa. So yeah, to be continued. Okay, yeah. One more message just in from Dani and Stellenbosch saying, for me, this is a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. We've got credit cards. We've got cloud-based solutions like SnapScan. I won't go to events like this because, one, there is a sign-up fee. Two, is there, so it's a 10-rand sign-up fee, a 5-rand cash-out fee. Mm. And this is only a monitoring system to get the event organizer to know the turnover of vendors at the event. Dani feels it's enabling them to charge revenue-based rental. Uh, so, okay. Yep. All right. I'd be very interested to hear from any vendors who've been through the experience as a vendor and want to talk to us about uh, whether it works for you uh, or doesn't. So keep that open. We'll ca- happily carry on taking messages on that one. I do just want to switch focus for a minute, though, because we had a call come in. Um, well, a- an email come in a little while ago from a listener, very, very upset and distressed about the drama he'd been through with his daughters trying to get their driver's licenses. And it's it's a story that we've been wanting to bring to air and that has actually just moved a little bit in the last 24 hours. So I do want to fit in. Um, he doesn't want to be named because he's worried that there might be retribution yeah, visited I upon his daughters, that. which is, I think, understandable. So his real name is not Stephen, but we're going to call him Stephen just for the purposes of engaging the conversation. Uh, Stephen, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Welcome. 
Hi, hi. Thank you very much for allowing me to speak. Now, I know your daughters uh, applied for their learners. They passed first time, and then your eldest went off to try and book for her driver's license in December at the Milderton uh, station, and she, she got her first attempt and failed over an error in the alley docking. Stephen, that's not the issue. The issue is what you then went through to try and book for a second attempt. Can you briefly just sketch for us what happened? Okay, so the issue is that you can't just do a retest. You have to you, you have to stand in a queue, fill in a document, do an eye test, then stand in another queue to be told that they don't have any space. Uh, we then asked around, and one of the people there in, in the office checked on his system and said to us that there is space in Belleville and there is space in Worcester. So we immediately drove off to Belleville with the documentation that we got from Mulnathan, and we went to the lady there, and she said, no, that documentation, the eye test, in Monaton is unacceptable. We have to do the test again. Oh. We, then, we then told the lady in Goodwood, oh, sorry, the lady in Belleville that we're from Goodwood, Goodwood, and she said, no, then we don't have any space. So we left that. We then drove to Worcester, stood in a queue, pulled in a document, did another eye test, and then when my daughter went to go and do the eye test and the lady wanted to know where we're from, we said we're from Goodwood, the lady went off on a rant said to her that she must provide proof of address and she's tired of all these people coming here from uh, all over the place and she doesn't have space anyway. So we gave that all up completely so my daughter didn't get a license. My youngest daughter, we applied for uh, her license uh, this year. She did it in January. She was failed. We then stood through the queues and did the eye tests and all the nonsense again. She did the test this morning. She was failed again. Oh. So now we stood through the eye tests and the cues and all the nonsense again. And the thing that frustrates me is, look, I want my daughters to learn to drive properly. It is very important. But what people, what the, the municipality, or sorry, the traffic department does not understand is, I am a single dad having to drive two daughters around. I work for myself. Every hour that I stand in a queue, is money that I cannot earn to pay their taxes. I, I cannot understand the amount of time that is wasted doing the same stuff over and over and over again. To stand in queues, to stand in a queue for an hour only to be told that you have no space. To do eye tests over and over and over and over again. My two daughters are so nervous now. When they go to do the test, they are in a state because they are so scared of these testers because they feel that they are going to be failed no matter what they do. So I'm completely at my wit's end. I spoke to the, the, the tester this morning and I said to him, please tell me what I must do so that my daughter can pass the test. And he just says to me, pay a driving school. I said, I have. I've paid the driving school 4,000 rand already. I don't know what to do anymore. You know, these girls, they need to be able to drive. I need to be able to do my work, but we're not getting it done because we're standing in queues wasting time. What do they want from us? They're punishing us by, sorry, they're punishing us. They're punishing the wrong people. They They are punishing us by wasting our time, by taking us out of the economy and not allowing us to work, by making us stand in queues. 
Okay, Stephen, let's just pause there for a second because I want to share with you the little update we do have on this. So when Stephen mailed me, he sort of said, please take this up with J.P. Smith at the city and ask why on earth it's necessary to go through these processes over and over and over again when you already have a, f- a past eye test, for example, registered on the system. Uh, it sounds Ridiculous like madness. Ridiculous waste of time. And it is. Resources. Uh, Wendy, there was a statement out yesterday. Yes. So, um, are you going to read it or shall I, Pippa? Okay, well, I, I, I've, got, I've got the full statement here, so let me just read a little bit. This came out yesterday from J.P. Smith, our mayoral committee member here in Cape Town, as well as, <coughs> excuse me, the Provincial Transport MEC, Donald Grant. And it lays the blame squarely at the feet of national inefficiencies. This is what it says. I'll, I'll paraphrase a couple of bits. But City of Cape Town and Western Cape Government are at their wits end, this is a direct quote, about ongoing problems in the application and issuing of learners and driver's licenses affecting operations across the country. Members of the public waiting for driver's license cards are likely to experience more delays in the issuing of these documents because the problem in Pretoria has not seen any significant improvement. Another issue causing major delays is the functioning of the live enrollment units which are used to perform eye tests for learners and driving license applications and card renewals. Applicants are also not allowed to provide letters from optometrists in lieu of the eye test. The result is long Long queues and long waiting times causing frustration among applicants, also for staff at the centres who are having to bear the brunt of issues that are not of their making. Uh, Wendy, so big mess. local and provincial saying it's not us, that's it's what, national. That's, that's if we could sum up that. Yeah, press that's release. basically like, what Don't it shout yeah. it as it's not our fault. For what it's worth, there is an SMS line that you can message to follow up on drivers. A license card query. So if you've already gone through the process and don't have a card, you send your ID number to double three two one four. We'll put this up um, for you to check on later. And you'll receive a message back giving you a status update on your card. And there's four options there. But unfortunately, the status is most likely to be still pending. Pending, yes. Yeah, because yeah. they are just, they've hit that snag. So, Stephen, it sounds like certainly the eye function test is partly a, a problem with that live enrollment unit uh, system. Seems to me yeah. that's something that they can fix fairly easily. Why when they, they think. do it over and over and yeah, over and over exactly. and over again? You can understand if years have gone by, then you need to redo it. Yes, but, but but not within if you wrote your test last week, your learner's test required an eye test. So yes. surely that should be valid for mm. to then present uh, with with uh, with the, the driver's test. Stephen, so I'm afraid I don't have answers for you. I have I just wanted to share that update with you from provincial because you did specifically ask me to go to JP Smith. The response is, it's not a function that we are in charge of that is failing here. But I wonder, I mean, if anybody has other suggestions for Stephen, who's been through this jumping through hoops, standing in lines, going from pillar to post, finding availability, because I'm also mindful that these licenses expire, the learner's license expires, and then you've got to go through that process again and that cost again. As a mother Um, of of children in that age, you get told... Go to that, go to that branch because they're efficient and then you get there and there's a seven hour queue and because everyone's heard the same thing or they say we're not, you can't come here. It's not, you know, you're not from the area. It is a nightmare. It really is. I'm really sorry, Stephen, that you've been through this. Um, uh, if somebody has advice for Stephen on, on potential solutions, uh, and, uh, what to say, where to go, uh, how to get this resolved. I, I don't know if there is such a, such a way around it, but if anybody can advise Stephen who's been in this procedure and come out the other end, um, uh, he's not disputing the failures. He's not disputing that the fact these girls made mistakes in those original tests. That's not the issue. It's just the process around it. To seems get to the point where so you're in the car. Cumbersome. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have to wrap it there to go to news. Wendy, thank you so much for being Thanks with for us that. today. Thanks everybody for your input.
And uh, uh, let's hand over to Wesley for the new, before I hand over to Wesley for the news, just a reminder, if you want to contact Wendy, she's on consumer at nola.co.z.